Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. I am professional scrum trainer, Ryan Ripley. Joining me today is certified scrum trainer and agile coach extraordinaire, Joe Perold. Joe, how are you today? How's it, Ryan? I'm very good, thank you. It's really, really great to be here with you. Yeah, I miss you guys. I uh, I think a lot of people that have checked out our YouTube channel, they've probably seen where I did a keynote in South Africa with Faye Thompson, and it was actually Joe uh, and and Barry and and another a number of other people who really who made that possible, and actually were amazing hosts. They took us all through uh, Joburg uh, and amazing dinners and amazing like that five course dinner thing we did was I still look at those pictures sometimes that was pretty wild. Um, just a phenomenal visit. And I totally I miss these people terribly. I wish we could get back. Someday we will get back. Or maybe oh, we'll yeah. drag we'll drag Joe and Barry to the US and have them come and hang out with us. But uh, awesome people and really loved uh, meeting their community. And so it's great that, uh, Joe, we can get you on the Agile for Humans network and to get you to talk about some Agile coaching, because this is a space that uh, I think it's widely, wildly misunderstood. And you've got some great insights here. And I know that one area that you've been really passionate about lately and that the world needs to get better at, yeah. right? This is something <laughs> that we all need to level up, including myself, is really Agile coaching in a remote world. Right. Yep. I mean, this has become the topic um, because I, I was looking at some data the other day. Um, I think there's been like a 40 percent quit rate from jobs if they're required to go back to the office. Mm. Like we're seeing a lot of people resign and change jobs. And they're basically saying, I want to work from home. I love waking up, seeing my kids. Like for me, it's there's a little there's a little person and I'm surprised she hasn't come in here yet. I have my five year old daughter. She likes the hourly hug. She's like, dad, Aww. it's been an hour. And so during training classes, everybody knows an hour is up because my daughter comes in. For I love that. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go back to an office. Do you? 
No, that's really awesome, Ryan. That's awesome. I must say there are some things that I miss about being in a room full of people. Yeah. And I think I would like at some points in my life to have some kind of a mix. But I yeah. am loving um, working in a remote space and the ability at the moment. So I'm working with people literally all over the world. Um, a team that I work with at the moment, we're in, I don't know, six or seven different countries. And there's nine or ten people in the team. Yeah. So yeah, so it's really, really awesome, and we we span time zones from kind of the UAE all the way through to um, the uh, east coast of the US. So nice, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's so exciting, yeah. So when it comes to you know agile coaching in a remote world, like what are some of the challenges you're seeing? What are some of the? I mean, there's there's definitely. Like, like I certainly, and, and hopefully we're aligned here, else I'm going to start a controversy right away. But I, I do not, I do not prescribe that it's 100% the experience of being together. Mm. Like I, I don't agree with that. Like I, yeah. I, I think that through, and and maybe, you know, maybe we'll see where we're at with this. I think that through good facilitation and coaching in a remote space, you can get about 90% of that experience. You lose, I think you lose a little bit. Is that fair? I, I do agree. So I do think that you lose a little bit. And I also think that you it's you gain some other things. So, so tell me about that. That so that's an yeah. aspect that I've not thought about. I love this. All right. This is why this is why I this is why I love talking to people like Joe. She's so much smarter than I am. I wanna I wanna hear this. <laughs> so so yeah, so it's interesting. I was thinking about it the other day. I was working with a team um who are awesome. They 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 ship regularly. They work together really well. Um, and I, I had noticed that I hadn't really spent a lot of time in doing working agreements for this team and things like that. You know, a lot of the basics that you that you would normally do, which I right. still think are, are really, really useful and really um, and really are awesome for teams anyway. But what I noticed was that this team, like they had less stickiness. And they were able to still really work well together and still um, achieve their goals in in kind of an interesting way. And I was wondering about, um, you know how sometimes when you spend a lot of time with people all the time, then all of those little quirks that are a tiny little bit annoying get a lot annoying, you know, over time. You know, they're only a tiny little bit annoying in five-minute doses, but in like five-hour doses or, uh, you know, three-week doses or whatever. It's all those things that you used to whine about at the water cooler with each other. Oh, did you hear so-and-so and what yep. what are the next thing? So there's a lot of that that's not happening because you're not spending enough time with your colleagues for them to get annoying. Um so on the one hand, you're missing a lot of connection, which is sad, and you have to really work that much harder to build that human connection, which is very important, and I still do that. Um, but on the other hand, there's also this element of like um, – because I worked in an organization uh, in my previous life uh, long before COVID <laughs> uh, where we, each team had a team room, uh-huh. and they were working in a team room together all the time and there were lots of awesomeness about having a team room and then there was also like there were the dudes there were those dudes <laughs> just like 
yep. got on your nerves, you know, yep. <laughs> for many, because they chewed loudly or they always brought their smelly food to work or they, there was, you know, whatever it was, there was right. some things. Or they had these loud personal com- phone conversations in the office about whatever was going on. So you just you just don't have that. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. So so you need your working agreements, but your working agreements are a little bit different. Um so, so there are things that you lose without that, though. So, like, so not having those things also means that you don't get as close to people as you would in uh, in when you sit next to them, and you have to and you have to work past those things. Um, so it's it's kind of like there's gains, but there's also losses. No, I, I like that a lot. I hadn't thought about some of the gains, and and I and I agree. I, I think that. Um... You know, one of the reasons that Todd and I have gotten on so well and that we're, we're doing um, a lot of co-training together, but we're not getting too irritated because I'm that way. If I'm around someone too long, I'm like, get away from me. I've had enough. Um, the only person in my life that has never been, it's my wife and I have never, I'm, well, maybe yeah. she's been irritated with me, but I've never felt like I want this person to go away. Like I've always, but anyone else given enough time, it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we haven't had that. And maybe it is because, you know, he's in you know, Pennsylvania. I'm in Indiana for our international audiences. We're a few States apart. Um, mm. And, and it just, so our work is remote. And so we, we talk a bit, but then we're apart for a bit and it just seems to work great. So I, I'd never consider that though. That's a really cool aspect uh, of that remote, uh, that gain. Right. And so yeah. that's, that's really neat. With these remote teams, though, you did mention that there's some gains, some losses. What are some of the struggles that, as an Agile coach, you've really had to zero in and mm-hmm. focus on and help people kind of level up? Or, or what is it maybe a different way? So you can pick which way to answer this. But, you know, what are some of the things that you're kind of laser focused on trying to make sure, you know, this stays good or this doesn't turn sideways? Or you're like, where where's your narrowed focus when it comes to this remote coaching and, and the way and the way the teams are working. Yeah. So what like the one thing that I've noticed um, from a remote perspective that's been super hard for me is is getting that um, awesome level of visibility. You used to be able to get a level of visibility of work in a physical space by creating yeah. a board and putting sticky notes on that board. That is very very hard to do in a remote space because. Even though we there's lots of cool tools out there to do all kinds of things, and even though um, organisations used to use those tools even when they weren't remote, um, that that visual the the information ra- radiator that was a physical board had so much stuff on it, right? Because often yeah. teams would put they would have their kind of retro their last retro actions. They would have avatars of all the team members. They would have the list of who's not going to be there when. They would have um, the work, so you could see what work was in progress, who was busy with what. Sometimes there might even be a roadmap or a story map plastered on the wall where you know you could keep track of where you were in the context of everything um, and all of those kinds of things. So I've been spending quite a lot of time trying to figure out how to create these information radiators in a way that makes sense for a team without necessarily adding another layer of transaction cost onto, you know, because who likes extra admin, right? So, right? so it's like, what? how can we get some kind of 
a visual radiator in a way that makes sense without necessarily having to do a, a hell of a lot of extra admin um, in, in, in those spaces. So, so that's one of the things that I've been quite focused on. And for one team, I created um, a board where we, where we try to simulate a lot of that. So um, that was pretty cool. So we had leave stuff there and a backlog and a roadmap and um, like, I, I kind of simulated their sprint board uh, and uh, and we had our our strategic goals linked there where like where we were going in for the quarter that kind of stuff um and then leave who was going to be gone when uh, a parking lot for people just to put stuff up you know if it came if it came up at, yeah. at the moment it's the it's we we kind of we use it for our sprint reviews so we, we do scrum so we use it for our sprint reviews so we're, we're kind of we're, we're looking at it every two weeks which is awesome and i wish that i could have a way for it to be more of a radiator you know but i think i need to just put different information on it and experiment a little bit more with what what might be valuable to people yeah yeah a lot of the leaders that i get to talk to um, they've, uh, it's interesting how they kind of, they seem to feel the same way where they miss the walkabout, mm. you know, where they would kind of walk from the team areas and they could see the team boards and, and they yeah. could just see progress and they could, Hey, that's interesting. Can you tell me more? And th there's like this connectedness, even from a leadership level where, you know, they're, they don't have the full, that full picture anymore. And I, I remember seeing an article um, and I'll, if I can dig it up, I'll put it in show notes from, I think it was McKinsey or Deloitte or one of the big box consultancies where they said they're actually seeing signs where the more senior leaders are circumventing middle management and going straight to the teams because they miss the ability to kind of walk and glance. And that's creating kind of this kind of weird middle for the middle manager. Cause like, wait, why is the VP talking to, to the team? And it, and as it turns out, there's nothing sinister there. It's they miss the ability to kind of see what's going on and they miss kind of the, uh, the, the information in the radiators. And I think that's, that's kind of a neat, uh, neat point there. I know that um, for some of the teams we're working with, we've set up kind of mural boards or Miro, whichever. I know there's like a, I don't want to get in that. Like if you like yeah. mural, use mural. If you like Miro, use Miro. Um, they're all great. Yeah. Um, I even know people using like Google slides and they're happy with that. So whatever tool you're, the tools that, you're, it, it's just the vehicle to deliver information. But, you know, we've tried to have like these murals set up where um, with the same, and I think your principle is super important without additional overhead, mm. right? We're not trying to add to the work. We're trying to um, just have kind of like this organic mm -hmm. creation of information to radiate. And that's a really hard, mm. hard, hard edge to balance. Like, have you found any really good techniques that have helped? Um, so like for me, it's a bit of a mix between what I've noticed and it was also like this in a physical world as well, is that the information radiator was only half of what you needed to do. The second half of it was the feedback loop. So, so that's the other thing is that once you have a radiator, you also need a feedback loop because if you don't have a feedback loop, then, um, then often that radiator just dies quite fast. Um, and so, and, and it was like that in a physical space as well. So, because if you didn't have the feedback loop, very often that radiator wouldn't get updated and it wouldn't, um, it would, you wouldn't see 
the, the there wouldn't be new information and it and it stops being useful. So yeah. I think that the kind of the thing that for me that's also been important is to try and balance the radiation with the feedback loops so that um, the, so that you, that you're consistently uh, constantly updating that information and making sure that that's there. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've been doing quite a lot of. You know, speaking of the feedback loop, and it's interesting, I don't think there's a, a lot of information out there about the feedback loop being a necessary component of a radiator. And so I think that's a really excellent gem because I, I mean, I, I typically don't think of it in terms like that. And I haven't seen a, that's really important. I hope people pull that out. Um, something else kind of tangential to this that kind of popped in my head, but I'm seeing a trend. I'm curious if you're seeing it too kind of in the absence of good information radiators, in the absence of, you know, the ability to walk and talk and, and look at things, are you seeing an explosion in the number of meetings mm. that are getting scheduled? Is, is that a thing? Yep, yep. It was, it's a huge thing. And I think it's, it's a big pattern I'm seeing in a lot of spaces. A lot of organizations are trying to figure out how to, um, how to do, what to do about it and how to do things a little bit differently because that's the thing is like um, there's this balance between getting more kind of connection and information and then having like too many meetings and it's like oh we need to be more um, aligned or we need to be more on the same page but like oh there's too many meetings um, and so yeah so I think that that's a huge 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 struggle is to try and figure out what can we stop doing from that perspective and what makes sense to do asynchronously versus where do we need to have these feedback loops that require some kind of uh, getting together of the humans and like having, you know, a, a scheduled whatever video call or whatever it is and what makes sense. And I think like often well, what I, what I have a hypothesis, let's rather go there. Um, I have this hypothesis that I think that, in the beginning, uh, having a regular cadence and a feedback loop and a, and a something where people actually physically get together is um, quite important to, to kick things off. It was like that when we were in physical environments as well. If you started something new, the, the, the regular cadence in people's diaries and, and the regular cadence of doing the same thing at the same time for the same reason um, was helpful to like – get into habits. It's kind of like going to the gym or, you know, creating a new habit for yourself. Right. Uh, all of those, you know, all of those kind of scientific things like play into that, I think. And so I think in the beginning that's super necessary, but, but what we don't do is we don't reevaluate after a certain amount. We don't like set ourselves these trigger points or these spaces or, or like these reevaluations to say, okay, cool. So now that this is in our blood or whatever, what do we, what's just enough that we make sure that we're getting the value out of this without necessarily having the overhead. So what can we change? Like if we had to put on our, um, our lean waste hat, for example, like, and look at it from that perspective, what could we do that still allowed us to get the value, but maybe we could um, get rid of some parts of this. We could make it faster or shorter, or we could do more prep beforehand, or we could, whatever it was. So I think that there's also this, like this, this need to be reevaluate things, but the, 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 sometimes the reason we don't reevaluate things is because we don't have time because we're in too many meetings because, you know, we're trying to like do all these things. So it's, it's, it's hard to think about like, how do we balance these things and what can we just stop for a short time 
Um, yeah, so a couple of the coaches that uh, uh, the, that I work with are running an experiment where they're just like they just stopped all meetings for a week. They just cancelled everything, um, and then they did a retrospective to see, okay, well, which ones, you know, what happened and what did they miss and uh, what was good and what do they need? And it was kind of interesting, yeah, some interesting learning. Now I'm, that sounds amazing. Like a, a that's that introspection uh, just so necessary right now, right? We got to figure out what's important, narrow the focus. Um, I love that. I, I, with the, the explosion of meetings, right? Are you noticing that, um, at least it's something that I've seen and I'm curious if this is happening. Like I, I always get nervous. Like, am I just creating these weird situations or is it actually a trend? Right. And I, I don't know if other coaches get paranoid like that, too, but it's like, wow, am I causing this or is this something that's kind of natural? Um, it's probably a mix of both. Right. But um, what, what I've seen is that as we continue to misunderstand the, the purpose behind the scrum events, the more this this explosion of communication and uh, also happens. And I'll, I'll give an example for the listeners out there. Joe, I know you know this very well as a, as a CST like the, the the sprint review is one that just drives me nuts because we know it's supposed to be so much more than a demo, but it's usually treated as, well, we're just going to demo our stuff. We're all going to applaud and call it a day. Mm-hmm. And what we miss is talk about budgets and markets and feedback from users and the opportunity for executives to ask questions. And, mm-hmm. and then 30 meetings spawn off because we didn't cover the right things in the event. Right. And so I wonder, too, if if part of this agile coaching in a remote world is also getting back to the basics and saying, look, let's rein in these meetings, follow these events as they were you know, intended, because the scrum events are supposed to reduce the number of meetings in your org, not increase them. Yep. And, and maybe that's a big component of it, too. Uh, I, I, I definitely think so, Ryan. I think that um, a lot of a lot of the time, the. This, there is a lack of effectiveness in some of the ways that we do things. We're, we're busy or we're in a hurry or the organization has just always done it like that or whatever the case may be. And so there is this element of um, going back to basics and saying, okay, what is – and reminding ourselves, what is the purpose? Um, and I think it's also a little bit about – like how how do we need to change the way we facilitate in a remote space as well, right? Because yeah. that also changes. So it's it's also scrum masters and and coaches, uh, you know, like um, upping their skills and and thinking about what actually needs to be different in the way that I'm going to do this, um, so that we can still get these awesome outcomes that we want and these focused outcomes that we need, um, and and then. You know, how can we use these events to then get rid of some of the other stuff that we're doing that's wasting our time? Because yeah. I think that there's like those, both of those things can work together. You know, there's the elements of like, what about the way we facilitate needs to change a little bit so that, you know, we can um, achieve these outcomes. And then also like a real honing in of like, what actually are we trying to achieve and how can we, let's analyze all the meetings we've got and understand which of these things are actually taking place because we're not doing this effectively or we're not doing that effectively or we're not doing that effectively. And so now we've got these extra, extra things. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting that you bring up leveling up. I think I'm going to transition into, uh, so one of the things that you're offering now, 
um, the remotecoaches.com. If you want to level up your remote facility, and and hopefully our, our viewers and listeners realize we don't promote a lot of stuff on here. Well, I mean, Todd and I promote our book, but there's not a lot of advertising or promotion of, of other agile stuff, but this one's important. Um, we truly believe in it. We know that uh, if you all reach out to the remote coaches and, and you work with Joe uh, and the others that are that are uh, working on these courses, you are going to level up. It's really good stuff. And in this world, this environment, learning how to narrow that focus, learning how to, to facilitate in, in effective ways, I think that's going to be the game changer going forward because I personally do not believe we're going back to 100% in the office. I don't think yeah. it's... I think we're going to land in this hybrid space where as agile coaches, you've got to be effective in person. You've got to be effective remote and you got to figure out how to bridge the gap when we're kind of in that in-between space. And I think these courses are really effective at helping you do that. So it's great work y'all are doing, Joe. And you want to say a little bit about it and then we'll close it out. Uh, thanks so much, Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's I'm very excited about it. It's it's very much a principle. We take a principles based approach. So what we're really focusing on is principles that then you can uh, work out what are the practices that work well for you in your context. Because we find that most contexts are different. Tools are different. What you need is different. So we really look at it from a principles perspective, and then we show some practical methods, and we also create a lot of space for people to actually practice what they're learning. So we, you know, we, we, we will teach something, we'll show the principle, we'll show some practical methods that we might use, and then we create space for you to actually practice with a, a small group of people so that it's nice and safe and easy and, um, and you're learning as you go. So that's really like our, our main game is to, our main goal is to help people just up their, their skills in that, in that regard. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that, Joe. And thanks for, for sharing your your awesome knowledge on on fixing your agile coaching, it's been a pure pleasure to to be able to to chat with you, to see you again. I hope we do a lot more of these in the future. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. It was so much fun and so awesome to see you. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you again. <laughs> as, as do I. I can't wait till till we do this again. And for all of you out there, hopefully we'll get Joe back. You know, if you leave a lot of good questions, maybe we can talk her into doing some follow-up. So leave your questions in the comment section below. Let us know what you think of these episodes. Uh, like and subscribe so you know the next time that we have Joe on, uh, you get a notification. And uh, yeah, check out the socials. There's some videos that should be popping up that uh, the, the YouTube algorithm thinks you'll find valuable. We do too. So check those out as well. There's a lot of other shows fixing your Agile metrics, fixing your Kanban, fixing your Scrum, your daily Scrum. Lots of shows out there. Check them out. Leave some comments. Let us know how you're doing with the content and what we're producing. Let us know how we can help. Uh, and until next time, get out there, uh, learn a new skill, level up with Joe, check out a, a scrum.org class, whatever it is. Let's keep getting better and we'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.